Welcome to the Pencil to Pencil Podcast with your hosts, Mike Manley, Brett Levin, and me, Jamar Nicholas. This episode, Mike and I sat down with cartoonist Mike Hawthorne, a longtime friend and colleague. Mike talks to us about his humble beginnings in the biz and also lets us know about his Kickstarter that will be ending shortly, so you should run and back it before it's over. This podcast is sponsored by Clip Studio Paint, the leader in the digital comics creation scene, quickly winning over comic pros and enthusiasts with its one-stop shop of tools, brushes, and materials that make our job fun again. We will be running a contest on our message board soon where you can win free software, so check in with us there and on Facebook to see how you can enter. Without any further delay, let's start the show. <laughs> All right. All right. So, um, um, as, as my my very very pleasure, my very proud pleasure to introduce my good buddy uh, Mike Hawthorne. Uh, you may know him from such hits as Marvel's Deadpool. Uh, you may know him from such uh, hits as uh, Marvel's Superior Spider-Man. Uh, one of my, my classic favorites in the throwback hysteria. Uh, and, and a million things in between. Um, uh, it's, it's always great to uh, be able to talk shop with uh, Mike. So um, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Well, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, it's always great talking to you. <laughs> so, You're playing with your dog at the same... You're multitasking. Yeah, my dog's me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, um, my dogs. I can't. I can't deny the dog. Well, you know what? Um, Mike and Brett and I have been doing uh, the pencil to pencil for a little bit, and I've been trying to ex- explain the style to people, and I've been trying to call it a fly on the wall style of interview, which is more like you just happen to be in a room when cartoonists were talking shop. Right, right. So, um, perfect for me today because I'm, I'm, I'm working a little bit as we speak. Great, great. So, uh, I'm on, I'm on multiple deadlines at once. So, if I, if you hear me kind of drifting off, it's because I'm probably inking something. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's what it's about. So, what are, what are you, uh, what are you, uh, multi deadlining on? So, uh, I still have Superior, which I keep monthly. But I have a, uh, a graphic novel, this autobiographic thing that um, we're getting ready for a launch for 2020. And I can't say too much about it because the publisher hasn't announced, but I'm scheduled to have it wrapped up by the end of this month. Um, it's actually a book I did years ago and um, we got the rights back to it. It was never published. And I'm adding another like 20 pages of new material to it since it's been some years since, since, you know, handling this thing and working on it. And I think there's some, you know, with a little bit of hindsight, I realize there's some bits there that I'd like to touch on and, and, and expand on. So yeah, that's, that's sort of taking up. I have to do that and superior at the same time and trying to manage this, uh, Kickstarter thing we're doing for this, uh, anatomy lectures thing. Now the the anatomy the anatomy lecture most of that materials already pre existing because you're already producing this for your classes that you're teaching right 
Exactly. exactly. So, so uh, there was about a, the original. So it started out. Um, I, I teach in I teach anatomy one and and an advanced anatomy class, and uh, I wanted to. We do a lot of figure working class, but I wanted to give them handouts and try to combine that with uh, the lectures I was doing. And I didn't feel good about just copying, you know, giving them pages from, from an anatomy book to start photographing an anatomy book. So, um, plus anatomy books tend to be very uh, stiff, you know, like one angle, maybe two angles of, of the muscle or skeleton. So I wanted to give them multiples. So I ended up drawing some every day uh, at class. And by the end of the first semester, I realized I had about 100 pages of material, which was a little crazy. And then when the next class, yeah, no, I accidentally wrote an anatomy book. Um, so the next time I had class, I, I needed an easy way to give these to these kids, so I ended up making it a PDF. And then uh, wanted kind of an easy way to get it to everybody, so put it online, and then it just kind of took off. It was a little crazy. I did not expect, I wasn't looking for like an ultimate career in, in academic publishing of any kind of thing, but the PDF, I mean, I literally put it on at, at first, um, I put it on gum road to set the price to zero so that the students can get it for nothing. Um, and then it took off so much outside of the students that I had to like, now the, the minimum price, you can pay whatever you want, but the minimum price is a buck because I was like, Getting, you know, you still have to pay your fees to gum road. Even right. So you were like losing money then if, if you... Yeah, I was like, holy shit, I'm going to... And then uh, maybe two years later, I added, you know, from teaching the class, I added another like 12 pages of material. And then now for this uh, print edition, which again, I really only considered a print edition because people kept asking for it. Right. And... Um, so this print edition, I'm adding another 45 pages of material that's both from the class. Uh, just because every semester I end up inevitably making more handouts for kids. I shouldn't say kids, college students. Um, and then people have asked for pretty specific things like uh, male to female comparisons and things like that and proportions. So I'm adding like another 45 pages to the original 120 or so page PDF. Right, right. Well, the one thing I mean, I've I've seen a lot of them that you've posted on you know uh, social media, and the one yeah. thing about comic artists is you have to draw the figure from a lot more angles than you see in the average anatomy book. I mean, even a really good anatomy book like I always recommended the. Uh, the Atlas of Human Anatomy by Peck, which is a pretty good one for, for most right, students. Right. But yeah. there's very yeah. little on like the upper back and the and exactly. and very little on foreshortening. And we're always drawing with a foreshortened figure as a, especially with superheroes. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's there's nothing like you said, there are some good apps that you can see uh, like three D models of stuff, but none of them are exactly what we need. Um you know, like there's a really good one called Skelly for the Skeleton. Right, um, yes. There's, an, there's another good one of the old uh, Udon sculpture, the, the Lecouche. Mm -hmm. um, you probably see the man thing. Um, which used to be used pretty like, extensively in art schools. I don't know if anybody uses it anymore. Well, we I have, still have one for my 
Yeah, we had they had like several of them at the academy, and I actually just bought a little guy a couple months ago, and it's sort of the same thing. One side's the bones, you know, and then one side's uh, or one side's yeah, the, one yeah. side is the flayed figure. Mm -hmm. um, right. And I actually took a class at Papa. Uh, all, we made one ourselves out of clay, which was pretty That's good. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the only drawback is that the class should have been a whole year instead of just one semester. I guess traditionally in the old days, it was like one whole year, and I think you actually yeah. made them a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, we do a year at Pink and unfortunately, we don't do the, the clay uh, sculpture one because I, I don't know that we're really set up to do it. Um, yeah, you guys probably didn't have a room for it. Yeah, so we, but we do a year of anatomy. So I teach anatomy one usually is the skeleton. Anatomy two is uh, all the muscles, and I cover, like, the you know origin and insertion points of muscles and how they work and such. And... I think, and then the whole time we're drawing the last figure, and I'm going over stuff like this is what you're seeing here. Um, this is why it looks this way when you when it you know you raise the arm or lower the arm or whatever. So it's the next best thing to do in an actual flayed man sculpture. Um, well, that's I think that's here, great. Yeah, yeah, I, I actually enjoy. I mean, I used to teach visual development at PCAD and. Um, and I did one year of a comics class, and I just told them, like, look, I don't want to teach comics again. Like, I get why you want me to. Right. <laughs> I get why you want me to, but it's just, I, I just not, uh, I think I need a, I, I go to the college not because I need the gig, but because it's a nice break. Yeah. And uh, I don't I like to go there and then, like, teach comics. I'd rather do the more technical stuff. You know, we were even talking about me doing a, a big anatomy, I'm sorry, a big uh, perspective class. I prefer that than just you know teaching comics or graphic novels or something. Right. Comics is comics is very heavy lifting. I used to teach comics classes, but I gave it up a couple years ago because I found that if you taught it in the continuing education, they made the class too long for the average person. And after you know yeah, they yeah. make it like a six-hour class, and if you're not a professional yep, yep, yep. cartoonist. You cannot sit in a chair and draw comics for six hours. No, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, our studio classes are six hours, and these kids are pretty, pretty neck deep in illustration, and it's hard for them. I mean, both physically, you see, like, you know, 20 year old kids, like, what you standing up and looking like your back is all, you know, giving them trouble. <laughs> and also, just. just yeah, just the focus of doing it for that long, you know? And, 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 yeah. and, and also, I think that uh, most of the people that take them are what I call hobbyists, which they do it because they enjoy it, but um, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a hard class to, t to, to teach if the I found yeah, for yeah, me, yeah. if the person wasn't really kind of hardcore, because then I sort of felt, in a way, like I was babysitting. Yeah. yeah. And especially if I yeah. taught like little kids, I've taught. I stopped teaching the. I've done that a few times. Taught uh, kids, which is fun, but you know, an hour yeah. and they're shot. They cannot really concentrate for like four or five hours. And I'd always wonder, like, 
you know, I was end up being like a gym teacher. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you know, you sit down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you'd have to try to figure out a strategy to get <laughs> to, to, to keep them interested. Like, oh, we'll do color later. We'll just draw with a pencil now. You know, something like that. Right, right. Do you go to the page and then we'll take a nap and I'll give you some grand crackers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, do you, do you, when I'll talk to both of the mics, do you feel like now that comic book classes are more prevalent, like I remember there was a point where you can, you could never find a class like that at a, you know, a school or a rec center or an after school program. Um, do, you, do you think the students, Beyond just being kind of like scared straight that it's so much harder. The scared straight program, like yo, you you want to draw pages? No. Yeah. 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 You think you're blood? You think you're blood? Um, yeah, I mean. Mm -hmm. It probably does separate the people who think they want to do it from the people that really want to do it. I've been lucky in that at PCAT, I'm only dealing with majors, right? So I don't, I don't, I don't do any of the continuing ed classes or anything like that. I only work with. In fact, I've only ever taught uh, juniors and seniors. I think maybe I had one semester of the Intro to Anatomy that I had some sophomores in. So by the time I get them. They're pretty much committed, and they, they know they want to do a thing. I still find that, like, that I only did the comics class for one semester, and um, even these kids, they don't quite, even if they're, you know, pretty neck deep in the program, they don't necessarily get that, you know, comics really is, uh, it, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a little, maybe, it's, I hate to make a sports analogy, but it's like the rugby of, of, of you know, art entertainment, right? Like, it doesn't get the intention of the NFL, but you still take a shitload of lumps. Mm. And, like, you, you are sort of absorbing tons and tons of abuse, like, from the job itself and from the physical toll on your body. Mm -hmm. and, but you know you'll never, you'll never get, it won't be in return for, like, a $50 million contract with some NFL team. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. they get in this class and they're sort of very quickly realized like, and my class was not difficult, but it's still, you know, they find out pretty fast like drawing a comic isn't as fun as it looks like it's going to be. Right. Right. Well, I think there's that, there's that spot uh, that everyone goes through, and I'm sure you remember it. Just And I know Jamar and I have talked about this before. There's that spot where you go from being a fan to a semi-pro aspiring cartoonist, aspiring aspiring artist, I like to an expiring artist, uh, to the I point where you, <laughs> and then you get to that point where you have to draw beyond where it's comfortable because now you have a job or an opportunity to draw, yeah. and it's like you have to now force yourself to function. And it has, still has to be good. That's the other thing. You can't like yeah, you can't look yeah, and yeah. see like suddenly your work rapidly declines once you you know you hit your the the you know the the eight o'clock hour. Um, yeah, that knocks yeah, a lot yeah. of people out of the the box because there's a lot of people that are very good, but they just don't. Their personality is not such that they can actually work that way. 
Yeah, yeah, you definitely have to be able to work uncomfortable. I, I think, um, you know, I, I was lucky enough, I went to uh, the Pennsylvania Governor's School when it was still around, and I got to be in it with, like, um, all the other arts. And I, I made friends with a couple of ballerinas. And, you know, you see how graceful and amazing they are. And then you see them, like, first thing in the morning when they're, like, limping out of the dorms heading towards the studio. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you realize, like, damn, like, these girls are working hard as hell. And it, it takes a lot of effort to make it look like it doesn't take effort up there on the stage. Right. And that's, I mean, I don't, I don't know that comics is anywhere near as hard, obviously, as ballet, mm -hmm. but um, it's definitely not for... I, I want to be careful not to make this sound all macho. It's like, I don't want to make it sound like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want that because I think it's the wrong message. Um, I just think, like, it takes a level of, co of commitment and being willing to be out alone in the cold that other arts uh, jobs don't call for. Like, if I was, and I think it does something to your head. Like, if, if Oh, I yeah, I think that's very true, yeah. Yeah, because if you're an animation yeah, or a painter, it's much more, especially like animation, you're working in a studio. Games, you're working in a studio. Exactly. It's like a very social situation, uh, which has its own exactly. uh, own issues. But, yeah, if you're a cartoonist, you know, you can, like, be at home and not see anybody for, like, a week. If you've got enough coffee in the house, you yeah, never have yeah, to go outside. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think what, what did me, I mean, because I've had a couple of, opportunities to work in studios um you know early on in my career i almost went to work uh for john Kay on like a show he sold um the fox and went out to the studio and just got a really bad vibe and, and thankfully didn't take the gig and then was that the uh, ripping uh, friends mm. yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, but didn't that move to Canada or something? Didn't that go ended up going to Canada? Yeah, so the animation production, it's a long, yeah, it was in Canada. But he he had a guy call me, this was a long, I, I, this is a tangent, but he had a guy call me and said, if you're ever in L.A., come out to the studio, you know, John wants to talk to you. And uh, I just wanted a job. I had a kid on the way, and I was like, I, I remember I scrounged whatever money I had, flew out to L.A., didn't know anybody, just like literally drove Went to the car, drove to the neighborhood the studio was in and found the first, like, shitty hotel I could find. Um, but I just got a bad vibe. I don't want to get too far into it, but, I mean, I think his... People know what that dude's about. So it, I, I just didn't like the studio atmosphere. And then again, I was offered a job. This one was way more lucrative at, at Val. They just... It wasn't even a position. They just wanted me to be in the studio, which is kind of a dream gig, right? Like, you get to do bounce around and do whatever you want, and again, it's, it's, I think when you've been freelance for a long time, you're suspicious of people when you want to, like, take care of you, <laughs> like, so, I remember being at Valve, and, um, they, they, first of all, they couldn't understand why I wasn't just taking the job, and I tried to explain, like, I'm, I'm really happy, so you're competing with happy, but they literally talked me out of happy, you're going to have to give me happy plus, and uh, to move my entire family to Seattle, I'm not, it's going to take a lot, but mm -hmm. they had a, like a store, 
basically on each floor of the studio. Like, it was like, imagine a 7-Eleven, you can go and get whatever you want for free. Mm-hmm. And then, like, certain days, they have, like, a spread of donuts out for everybody. And I would eyeball this stuff, like, suspiciously, like, what? <laughs> Why are you doing all this nice stuff for me? These donuts are poison. (laughs) You're trying to poison me. Yeah. I think being freelance and how difficult a thing that is, um, you sort of become like a survivalist. And when you get comfortable, you start to feel like, wait a minute. I'm going to get too comfortable because when society crumbles, I won't be ready. (laughs) I know that's that's super unhealthy, though, and that's why I'm always leery of, like, making it sound macho. Because I, like, talking to these students at PCAT, I realized, like, how easily you can scare them off. And that's a shitty thing for someone like me to do, right? Because Mm -hmm. you meet a 20-year-old kid and they're hanging off your every world and, like, it's, it's torture, and maybe you talk them out of doing the thing they dream about doing. And I, I don't want to do that, but I also don't want to have them think that it's, it's the type of job where anybody will, will look after you. You really have to manage by yourself most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, 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 I mean, that's, that's very true. I think the hard thing is to, is to balance being honest about the way things are and the fact that in the end, none of these companies are like, your brother or your father or your, you know, a relative, their right. bottom line yeah. will not always jive with your bottom line. Uh, when right. I was working at, at Warner on, you know, on the, on the cartoons, I very seriously thought about moving to LA and going into the studio. Um, but I sort of had the same feeling that you had, which was, well, I'm doing it here. I, I like it. If you go into into the studio, you have to deal with politics. Suppose I go in, I don't like the politics. Right, right. I don't get, you know, then you're sort of trapped or you set yourself up in a situation where now maybe it's more expensive or you're not happy. So I, I ended up not doing it. I still ended up doing a lot of stuff. And, and uh, right, right. Uh, I think you're, I, I've come to realize... I, to, to me as you as I've gotten older that your personality is sort of like the carburetor and some people work great in a studio that's the perfect spot for them yeah um yeah, if they yeah. could get a job and the person could say I want you to go over here and draw these things and do this thing and color this thing and paint oh, this oh, thing they're okay, like well, that's the yeah it's <laughs> the perfect job for them they're really happy <laughs> you know um, yeah. and other people no, if I you tell them specifically like either, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, well, we know the way and they don't. Because I think there's a lot of that. Like, I, I get, you'll get talked down to by animation guys because they think that comics is like the Wild West. Like, what's wrong with you guys? Why don't you have a union and so forth? Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I want to be careful that it doesn't sound like I'm saying that one is, is the right way to go or the more pure way or whatever. But you're right. It's just for me personally, I've been doing freelance too long. That now I don't know that I could um, easily transition to a studio. Not to say I couldn't, um, but it, it just it, it would take quite a bit for me to, to to be willing to give up the freedom I have at the moment. You know? Yeah. I mean, even the most recent one was uh, I did these conceptual boards for this video game, and 
they they said, you know, why don't you come? This was in, the, was in I think South Carolina and North Carolina. I forget where. And he said, why don't you come down and you know just work in the studio for a month and see what you think. And I was like, look, I'll do I'll work for you and I'll, I'll take your money, but I'm not coming to you guys, which has always been my rule because I don't want to leave my kids around. You know, like I like being where they are. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, so I did some of their boards and then kind of rolled out to go, I, I, I figured, I think I was doing a French book or something. And um, then, you know, <laughs> fast forward five years. And and at the time, I thought, like, you're going to give this game away? You're not even charging? Like, you guys are going out of business, <laughs> you know, five years later. Yeah, it's Fortnite, of course. Like, they're, they're so, you know, you, you, it's, it's sort of a gamble. You never know when you're going to make the wrong call. Mm. Um but I don't have any regrets about it. You know what I mean? Like, because for those three opportunities I've had to work in the studio, only that one worked out because I don't believe Valve makes games anymore and God knows the ripping friends aren't around. So I, I still feel like I, I made the right call, especially for the kids because wherever I go, I'd have to drag them and yeah. they've, gotten, they've gotten to grow up with this, the same place which I'm grateful for, you know? Yeah. It's funny you mentioned the Ripping Friends because I also sent a bunch... I think I ended up faxing stuff to Canada. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what a production was. Right, and then I think what happened was the people from the States couldn't get hired in Canada if a guy or a gal in Canada could actually do the same job. Uh, I think it's, that's it's exactly like, right. Yeah, yeah so I, I remember... Yeah, yeah. Back when you would like fax things and just like faxing tons and tons of stuff, and they seemed yeah. interested, but then it's like suddenly you didn't hear anything more. So I then I found out, oh, it's you know was in Canada, so they can't put but a he Canadian was asking portfolio. That was the thing. Like I'm sure you heard about it the same way I heard about it. Like he was putting portfolios on his or asking for portfolios on his website. Yeah, that was the I think so. Yeah. So when I got out, yeah, when I got out there and he said, "Hey, we can only hire uh, up," you know, I think he worded it funny, like you know, we can only hire in Canada. I remember saying, "Like, dude, I'll move to Canada." <laughs> He's like, "No, no, no, they, you have to actually be Canadian." And then I was like, uh, and this was early in my career, and I just I remember just he was ready to end the meeting, and uh, I just stood there. I was like, I, I just flew all the way out to LA with you know, the last bit of money I had, like, I want a job, dude. Right. And, um, <laughs> so, anyway, it doesn't matter. But the point is, is, like, you're right, it was all supposed to be a Canadian production, but for some reason they were asking for portfolios, you know, just openly. So I, I, don't really I, I think that's an interesting thing now that, that to touch on sort of like the, like the early part of your career here and, and how things have 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 changed or steered because comics is always sort of consistent in its freelance and then these other things are maybe somehow very appealing or more appealing in some way but they don't seem to be as consistent so when you you were flying out to LA with you know the last $50 in your pocket to go and, <laughs> and did you think well maybe I should go to Disney or I should go to some other place or did, did you know did you get any other leads you know genuinely and, and stupidly no I really was so um, it's, I, I am still like this I, I get very focused on a particular objective 
And that's great because it makes me productive, but it can be very bad in that, um, like something like this, like I really genuinely never even considered going to other studios with my portfolio. And I was right there with Glendale, or I think it's what it's called, and it's near Burbank. But it was right there, it was all this, all this and, and just stupidly, instead I remember I went to the beach. I was like, I'm going to the Baywatch beach, but it failed Baywatch. I just... I'm not that I'm not that smart a dude, guys. <laughs> well, if I can understand you have like one goal and like anything else is divert diverting from that, right? You went up there to work with these people. Okay. Yeah, that's how it feels thing mentally like Yeah. I, I I do bounce around between projects but the mental state's kinda of the same. Like the the goal is um you know, to draw this particular page today or to do this particular anatomy uh, handout today. And then, you know, when I pick my head up off the drawing board, the next thing you know is you've drawn 100 pages or 100 uh, uh, sheets of anatomy work. And that, for whatever reason, that's what works with me. Um, I'm not, I mean, I think there's like this... Uh, Myth in the in the industry where like I'm I'm very fast or something, um, you know like like friends in the industry will tell me like oh, I wish I was as fast as you. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm not I'm genuinely not particularly fast. I, I just I just work a whole lot and just can't get my head out. Like I don't have uh, I don't like I can't like I wouldn't be able to stop. Um, and like say play a video game to relax or whatever I just that's the other reason why I'm always leery of making it sound like oh you gotta be macho to do this because I recognize that the way I do it is is very unhealthy like mm-hmm. you know what I mean like especially mentally like I don't I don't advise any kid to, to like OCD their way through a career <laughs> the way I kind of do it Right, but I mean, I'm sure, Mike. I'm sure you practice self care when you need to. I, once, once I like mess myself up, like, <laughs> like I have, I have all these old injuries, right? Because I used to mm-hmm. play football and like uh, work in factories and 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 do BMX and and uh, like fighting and all that shit. And like mm-hmm. every so often, one of them flares up, and you're like, like I have an old disc issue. Uh, from a football injury and then later from working in a factory and last week it sort of flared up and it hurts like hell. Yeah. And I still penciled like 10 pages to it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't, I, I just, yeah, I'm not taking care of myself necessarily. It really is just about, like I, if I get hurt, I don't go, oh my God, I'm hurt. I go, oh my God, the work. Right. What am I going to do with the work? <laughs> <laughs> nail, nail your, nail your, your left arm against the board so it'll hold you up on the board while you can still draw with your, uh-huh. your, your with Honestly, your right arm. Like, yeah, you joke, but I mean, it really is like, okay, can I still stand? Because I work standing, right? So, oh, that's interesting. Now, why is that? Is that because of the back injury? Uh, years ago, yeah. I mean, just all around, I felt better. Um, and and it's been go, it's become kind of a fad now, but you know when I was doing it, there was no easy desk to find. 
Right. Um, and my wife gave me this old uh, old draftsman table. This thing is, I, I don't know, it's got to be 50, 60 years old. And it go, it's, it's very big, and it goes completely vertical, which I've always worked ah, vertical. Yeah. And, uh, my grandfather had one of those. Yeah, right, he, had, right, right. he was a display letterer, and he had, his was really long, like eight feet long, so you could put, like, signs on it. Wow. Wow. And, it, and it had like pedals at the bottom and it went up, it could go flat, it could go vertical, you know. Right. Um, mine, has, mine has a pedal that, that makes it go up and down. So it's like, I don't know, maybe six and a half feet tall at the top. Mm -hmm. and, that's uh, huge. So yeah, and I, yeah, I mean, that's the, no, the, depth, the depth itself is, I don't know, maybe three by four feet. Oh, okay. So it's the size of and I can probably put, um, I don't know, four comic pages side by side. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's it's big, and it allows me to work vertically. But yeah, I, I just work vertically for a couple reasons. Like I, I find that um, it, it's just better for me in general. Like uh, not just because I, I have the stupid old back injury, but just if I, I think I work better when I'm just a tad uncomfortable. And it feels more like work if I'm standing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because like years and years ago, my wife, we have a, a, a like a, an old city row home. And she like set up the third floor for me. It was a beautiful little studio and she painted it and everything. And it had two rooms and one was like a library and had, you know, like a, a couple of sofas and everything. And I ended up ditching it because I just found that like, I, if I was too comfortable, I was less productive. Mm. So you, you need to suffer a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I mean, just, it, I don't know, if, yeah, maybe not suffer, but it has to feel like a little taxing. You know what I'm saying? Like, to feel like work. Right. I think, again, like, like I don't know, I, I, for whatever reason, I guess I, I, that, that to me is more like work than just, you know, chilling and relaxing and sketching and stuff. No, yeah, I can understand. It's almost like when you go to the gym, you're surrounded by iron. And machines, and you're there for yeah. one reason, right? You gotta, you gotta bang these weights, and then you go, go, you leave. Right. Yeah. So now, how many years have you been doing this now, Mike? How many, how many years in would you say? No, no, just your career, your career. You're just working now. Oh, 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 yeah. So I self-published Hysteria in '99. So yeah, I guess if you count that, although I didn't, I didn't get comics work right away. Um, but if you count you know, my self-publishing and trying to get Hysteria off the ground, wow, twenty years! This is shit. This is a happy anniversary, brother. Thank you, man. Yeah, I should have probably. It's funny because um, people have asked if I'm ever bringing Hysteria back. I, I probably should have given it more thought because I guess the twenty-year anniversary might have made much some sense. <laughs> <laughs> now, no, uh, go no. Go ahead. Go ahead. You got a couple months left. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, you know, I was thinking, you know, once you get in for a while, I mean, you have all your things that you're trying to achieve, and you get in, and you're working, and you're, you know, you're just kind of like head down. But but then you get spots after you've been in, where you get to sort of reconsider, or you sort of look back, or you look from where the spot where you're at. And so 20 years in, are there things that are more important to you now 
or less important to you now than they were, say, even five years ago? Um, you know, I, I, a couple of things. I think um, I was always a little independently minded. Like, that's how just more and I'm mm-hmm. um, You know, I, I, I would do little, uh, like, mini-comics and drop them off at comic shops in Philly. And I think that's how Jamar reached out to me from one of those accounts. And, like, that hasn't changed much, although I think now everyone's perception of me is that I'm very mainstream, which is a little comical to me, um, knowing how much I, like, kind of hurt my career early on because I made myself do all this genre work and not do any superhero stuff. I mean, I, I think the first 10 years of my career, I never did a superhero book. Um... But I think, if anything, is more important to me now than it was then. Um, I think... Uh, one of the things I'd say is, is draftsmanship. Like, I, I had come out of a painting program that was, you know, pretty good, and I did a lot of figure painting, a lot of figure drawing. And then once I graduated, I kind of left out of that, and I was very... Um, stylized I think early on and I, and I was almost resistant to doing work that was anything like my training and uh, I, I think I've come around to like appreciating draftsmanship a little more if that makes any sense so I'm, I'm a lot less stylized than I would have been back in the day um, but I still, I still see this kind of a little bit of, I don't want to say petulance but like not for some, I don't know why, my, I, again, I, I have these weird mental blips, but for some reason, once I was done with college, I felt like, okay, everything I wanted, I got from there, I don't need to touch that again. So I never painted again, I never did anything like that. And almost, you, you, know, you look at the early work, and you wouldn't necessarily even know that I was a trained artist, right? Because it just looked like stylized cartoon work. Um, so I'd say I, I've, I've grown to appreciate that a lot more. And um, I think I've, I've come to appreciate uh, sort of the, the fan outreach part of this thing. Because I'm, I'm sort of infamously don't do conventions. And, and, and um, you know, it, 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 it's odd to people that I won't or like... Now, do you have a reason why? Are you scared of doing conventions? Like, people will say, hey, there's that Hawthorne guy. No, 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 not at all. Um, in fact, like, fans are always super-duper nice to me. Like, the few instances that have gone out, like, it's, it's, uh, it's always a pleasant experience. The main thing for me is that, um, well, number one, I'm a little too hyper, so sitting at a table for eight hours or whatever... Uh, does not sound like fun to me, especially if I'm in a new town. Um, plus, I think I just got in the habit of, like, you know, when my kids were little, like, if you leave for a con, you got to leave for four days or more. And that was always a drag for me. I hated I hated leaving the kids. So, um, plus, I always preferred doing, like, store signings and such. Like, it felt more, um, like one-on-one with, with, with fans as people, right? As opposed to you paid to get in here and see me and now you got to, like, call me Mr. Hawthorne and ask me if I'll do stuff for you. And it just feels artificial and weird. And, um, like, 
after Ringo died, I started doing that cookout, and we did that for 10 years. And that was sort of my, like, public outing for the year, because I'd, I'd sit there, we set up a grill, i cook everybody lunch. Mm-hmm. You know, we collect all this uh, canned food for the local food bank that uh, my mother and I used to go to when I was a kid. And that felt better than, like, going to a con and just trying to make a bunch of dough. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just, um, it just was, it never felt like it was for me. You know, and, like, and I will make exceptions, like, about me mining Gettysburg is trying to get a, a, a convention off the ground, and he's a Latino store owner, so, like, I'll support him and go to his, his show, or uh, my good friend Tony Moore had his own show there for years, and I would I, I did that once, but um, it's just, for me, I didn't have, I have kind of a, a big, like, my family's around me all the time, and then there's always something we're doing with them, so I never had the feeling of, like, I'm alone all day, and I want to get out, socialize with fans kind of thing. Right. Um, <clears throat> so it is also really the-, the opposite experience for us as cartoonists, because you go from this very intimate space, your studio, and in your case, your studio and your family, to suddenly a room, this big hall full of people who yeah, yeah. have also all been boxed up, it seems like, sometimes. And, yeah, um and they have, uh, you know, so it's a very odd experience. I try not to now all judge people by how they behave at a convention because you realize that some people just have been, like, cooped up a little bit too much. And some people are now don't have the, the little man inside their head that says, this is now the part of the conversation where I say thank you and I go to the next yeah. person. They just... Jamar and I became good friends because he saved me. He threw himself literally, figuratively, in front of a guy who was monologuing and 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 scratching himself inappropriately in front of my table. Oh Lord, really? Yeah. Jamar's the MVP. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. He's he 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 uh, he entered the Hall of Fame that day. I pulled the sword out of out of your palm, Mike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but Jamar, you, it, in some ways, he's been instrumental in my career because I, I I didn't know any comic book people. I honestly think so. Outside of Tyler, I went to school, which was um, you know this was like Billy when at the height of the Brother Man comics, and that's who we all looked up to because this dude was doing his own thing, but. I didn't know anybody. And then Jamar emailed me after finding one of these mini comics that was dropping off the comic shops <laughs> and sort of threw me into this group that he created All Stars. And I, I, I believe that was my first, like, actual experience with, like, a comics community. Now, mm. I was lucky in that uh, I had a professor that was also a professor to Matt Wagner, but it was like we were, like, 15 years apart. And I got to meet Matt because of that, and he ended up giving me my first gig. But because of Jamar, it was the first time where I legit made comic friends. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of us have gone on to do lots of comic stuff. And it's not for Jamar reaching out. Like, I don't know. I honestly don't know, like, where I would have found that kind of community and learned all the stuff I learned from my group of dudes. And I should say not just dudes, because we had, we had a mix of 
you know, all kinds of creators, men, women, you know, like it, it was, it was pretty amazing. Well, I, well, I appreciate that, Mike. And you know, it's funny, like that's such like internet 1.0 because I was about to say, yeah. I probably didn't have an email address for that long before I reached out to you. <laughs> you know, it was, like, it was so early in that, if you think about it. But I, you know, the, the and I, well, this is something we could talk about because the internet that we kind of came in on was a place where you really had to have this kind of like DIY spirit because nobody was sharing anything back then. Yeah. You, know, you had yeah, to get yeah. really thirsty and trying to seek stuff out. This is before the search engines, before Google, and before, you know, this was kind of like the age of the, the um, uh, what do you call it, the forum. <laughs> Everybody yeah, had yeah, exactly. Right? And then that kind yeah, of... I mean, it really, yeah. It and, was a forum, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I know a lot of people kind of... Before uh, the hate... Before yeah. the dark times. Oh, yeah, and I think yeah, anyway. there's something to be said about that because, like, the rise of social media kind of changed everybody's idea about what community meant, or even that everybody was a, was a genius all of a sudden because you know, you know, I mean, like, it's very rare to have a conversation with somebody these days where it's kind of like either they're asking questions they could have easily looked up. Right. right. Yeah. 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 You know, it's like. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I just. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say with the community you built, like where you set up for us, like uh, it didn't feel like self promotion in the way that social media feels like that. Right. So you had all these dudes that were like, everybody had their own unique thing that they were doing as their day job. Right. And they would post in the form and go like, you know, who knows how to write code or who knows how to color, who knows how to set up a file for a printer and that kind of thing. Yeah. And everybody had like one little piece and they would put it on there and, and we would all just soak it all up. Like, yeah. uh, I don't know that I would have self-published. I mean, I was already 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 had plans to self-publish before that forum. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't say that, but I don't know that um, the stuff that I did after your initial run of the story, I could have done. I, I got everything wrong when I self-published. Like I, I mm -hmm. sent in the files incorrectly and everything mm -hmm. um, and was able to find out the correct way through that forum. Because, again, there also wasn't any resources like how to set up a, 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 a file for a printer, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, that was it was a, a unique thing, and, it, and I don't know that you'll ever see something like that again, unfortunately. Because well, it, I think if amazing. you have that, if you have those kinds of forums now, they are not a public forum; they're private forums. Because I think if you have a public forum, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. Public forums have all, for the most part, in my experience, declined because most of the people that write write to complain about something. They're not writing to say, hey, yeah, I just yeah. saw this new thing. It's really awesome. Why don't you see it? And most of the message boards yeah, yeah. are just people just spewing their anger and dissatisfaction about just about anything that's being uh, created. And it, and it seems now, because it's almost preloaded, 
Mm-hmm. That what yeah. you do is if you don't yeah. like something, you kind of pile on. Like you pile on this person, you pile yeah. on that person. Because you know, I don't, I don't, you know, get involved with uh, all the white nationalists and all the comics gate and all that bullshit. Mm-hmm. But you see, but I've seen it go in waves. Like you'll see it. Like tomorrow, mm-hmm. there could be a wave about them attacking somebody or attacking some board or attacking some artist or attacking some editor. Um, and I remember, like you said in the beginning, with people were so happy to meet somebody else and go, "Hey, I got this thing." Or I have these old, I scan these old, I don't know, Bob Hope comics or something or whatever. They were just happy to share. It seems like that aspect of it, outside, like I said, of smaller private forums, which is kind of what your guys' forum was in a way. Because there was one I used to belong to called The Drawing Room way back in the day. And Shane and Paul Ravosh, there were a lot of people that were on that thing. And then it's sort of all, right, right. that was like, inter, that was before the internet blew up the first time. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I've been on that forum too, but I think that was that was a good bit after the IndyCred All-Stars. And it already felt unnatural to me compared to what, you know, the, the, the thing Jamar set up. You know what I mean? So I was already pulling away by then. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so I can see what you mean. And, and honestly, I'm... I'm I guess it is kind of all like private Facebook Facebook groups or something now, which I think, again, goes back to you never having that kind of magic work out again, because with those kind of Facebook groups, you have to kind of handpick who you let in. Where with Jamar's group, there wasn't anything like it, so it felt like everybody ran for that door because it was the only one that was open. Well, and, and, and that, I suppose, is probably something that's very different now in your career than when you started because, you know, when you would draw something in the beginning, there was not immediately, like, all these people reviewing your work. So how do, do you pay, do you not pay attention to the social media stuff? I mean, I see you posting a lot of great art, which is awesome because I love seeing, you know, like, all your, all your posts. But I was thinking, like, you know, if you are a sensitive artist, which most artists are, and you start putting up <laughs> yeah, your, yeah. First, your first stuff, your, it's like people pile on so hard now that it's like, yeah. you know, that's, ver- that's also very different. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of have, have decided that... Um, like, Twitter's not my friend, so I don't need to talk to it, if that makes any sense, right? So, um, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of feel you a little bit there, yeah. Yeah, like, like I will obviously, I will obviously post on there, um, but I sort of set a rule for myself early on, um, after getting in, you know, you, you inevitably, you used to get sucked into somebody's political debate or argument. Mm-hmm. And uh, I realized, like, yeah, I, I really, again, going back to sort of the obsessive work mode thing, I realized, like, wait, if I spend an hour, two hours arguing with someone online, that's like a good bit of drawing I just missed out on. So I sort of decided, like, I'm, my my social media is going to be um, my work, right? Like, I don't post my, I don't post pictures of my kids. Oh, what was that? Hello? Hello? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're here. Hello? You guys there? Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, 
but yeah, I don't post anything about my work, or, or rather my family. Um, I don't post pictures of the kids or anything like that, and, and I just keep it focused on the work. And I, I, I can keep all my, you know, personal stuff to myself, and, and it's probably for the best that way, you know. And it's not even about um, trying to please people. It's about I know that it will, these things will become toxic to me, and I'll ditch them if um, I start jumping into that pit with these folks, you know. Right. Because, I mean, ultimately, nobody, nobody's winning an argument on the Internet. <laughs> no, no. You've, I've never, in, in all my years, I have never once had somebody go, you know, Mike, I was wrong. You were, you were right. You know, gosh. Yeah. Thanks. No, no. You never, you never, you never have that. And, and I, I, the other thing that I, I think that's, that's, um, I always liked, I mean, always liked your work, always admired your, 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 uh, your work ethic. Uh, but also the fact that you continue to do the other things, like you're doing your Kickstarter, uh, or done several Kickstarters. So, um, the idea that, you know, you, uh, do different things, cause I think it's cool, you know, you can do Spider-Man, but then you can do your autobio comic or whatever kind of comic. Uh, or you've done the. Right, right. I think it was very interesting that you did the uh, the book for the graphic novel for Europe. That was a very interesting thing. And then you were doing turtles, Ninja Turtles. I mean, you were doing yeah. kind of all the stuff yeah. mixed all up at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, you know, all the cartoonists and, and, and comic artists that I respected would do everything, right? So. Even even guys like Kirby did romance books. So yeah, he invented them. I just started <laughs> yeah, and so I decided early on, like, well, I, I want to be able to say I, I gave that a shot. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily good for my career. You know, I even did uh, a romantic comedy. Um, I did a little Western thing. I actually did a, a straight-up Western and then, like, a Western comedy thing just because I thought... I think I was a little ignorant and I thought, well, this is just, just as valid as anything else and people will see that when I, when I put it out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the sales are not so great. And so you, I never learned my lesson and I would try to do the next, you know, genre piece. Um, but it's, I think it's one of the reasons I was able to get better because I was drawing all this crazy stuff. Um, but also it, it keeps me happy with the work, right? Like, I, I like being able to bounce around. I mean, one of the reasons I think I stuck around with Deadpool so long, uh, besides just loving the team that I got to work with, was, like, Jerry treated the book like every story arc was almost a different uh, type of comic, right? So we, I mean, we'd have everything from, like, a, a, a straight out sci-fi kind of space adventure to a thing that was like in the danger room that uh, was all like an old-timey wrestling. And uh, I just did, I, I like being able to stretch my legs creatively and uh, 
it, it feels like growth, even if that growth is kind of incremental and on the job. Well, I think I think that's great because, uh, and I agree with you. I mean, I'm the same way. It's like all the artists I admire did basically every it seemed like just about every kind of genre. They would do a western or a romance or a science fiction or a superhero, right. um, especially the Silver Age guys, because you know you'd walk in and Stan would give you a cowboy thing, or you'd get a science fiction right. thing. Like like Williamson did all those cowboy jobs with marvel with stan but then he was still doing the occasional sci-fi thing or inking jack kirby on a couple comics right. that was very and i think that's why those artists in general were so good because they were they were much more well-rounded you know when you get broken into broken in the if you're broken in the 80s you still got a little bit of that but the, by the time the 90s came around the companies were not as divergent as they had been in the previous decade, so you wouldn't get right, like right, a, right, right. a weird war comic backup or a backup in Sergeant Rock or something, because I did stuff like that. And by the the right, 90s, right. that was kind of gone. They didn't have the, the little backups as much. Right. right. And, 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 you know, if you wanted to do anything outside of street, you know, superhero type comics, you had to kind of go to a place like Vertigo or something who was still, you had some chance of kind of playing outside of that superhero box. And that was, a, I mean, that was a career high for me. It was like, I had always wanted to do work with them and getting in there was a big deal because I got to do, I still got to do what I consider mainstream comics, but uh, play around a little bit with genre. You know, like I got to work with Harvey P. Carr, and I did uh, this weird kind of southern gothic, gothic kind of sci-fi thing, and and it was that was about your only hope if you wanted to do something and still make some and make a living outside of superhero stuff. It seemed like there for a while. Now things have changed, you know what I mean? Like with the uh, the resurgence of image and all. I mean, I was that image for years and years, and we were all just starving. Right. Um, you know, my wife makes fun of me. She's like, um, you always do everything like five years too soon. <laughs> and she's like, just, just start deciding, like, what would I do in five years? You know, and just wait. Because I basically, you know, I had to ditch doing image books to, to make a living. Because none of my image stuff was selling. And, you know, maybe five years later, you had this. I'll give you an example. Like, I was going to do... They had this imprint of like superhero books they were going to do, um, and we, me and a, a writer friend of mine named Mark Ricketts got a book off the ground there uh, that was going to be awesome, but I couldn't do it because I couldn't make the money work. And later, like that line is what gave us books like Invincible and Fire Breather and all those things that sort of like brought back that, that genre to image, and then uh, books started selling all of a sudden, you know, and like... Now, dudes can go there and make actual, like, make a living, you know, and now I'm sort of like, now I'm doing the Marvel work, and I'm, I will eventually probably do something with Image, but my point is, like, I would always leave right before you're about to strike gold. <laughs> hey, Mike, have you, now that you have, and you can safely say you have a new generation of fans, right? Um, you know, I'm sure... 
the success of your Deadpool run and um, you know, I've been following, you know, we've been friends for a long time, following your career. And, you know, I've always been one of those guys saying, yo, just wait, wait until everybody catches up with what Hawthorne's doing. And, you know, and, you know you've been in Marvel before and everything, but it's just, you know, kind of like what your wife said, it was just too soon. So when everything lined up with Deadpool, uh, and you, did you have fans kind of discovering you for the first time, or did you have people going, "Oh, oh, so you want, you're here now"? Like, how, you know, how was that fan reaction to you getting them work? Yeah, I absolutely. It, it was all of a sudden like, uh, you know, like like I was the new kid on the block. It was weird because having not done a ton of Marvel work. Um, it was a, there's lots of people that just don't do anything but read Marvel comics. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Deadpool has this diehard fan base that's pretty amazing. So yeah, for sure, it was like you know being born again in the industry, um, especially like you said, like a younger generation, like you know going to my kids' school when uh, when when they would find that I was drawing Deadpool. Yeah, for real. I mean, it would just go bonkers, and it was it was it earned me a lot of points with the kids, with my kids, obviously. Mm. Um, so yeah, you definitely, especially with an iconic character like like Deadpool, you can't help but. And I also was lucky in that I jumped in at a time when he was just about to blow up, right? So it was like mm-hmm. before the video game launch. That was kind of a, a success, and then maybe a year or two later, the first movie came out, and then a year or two later, the second one. I mean, I literally started uh, before I believe the first that video game came out, and I left the book when the second movie came out. I mean, it was really like this this kind of sweet spot to be uh, on a Deadpool book, and I was also lucky enough that I got to work with you know Jerry, who was like. It was one of those things that I, I always swore I wouldn't do a bunch of things, right? So one was, like, I never wanted to stay on a book very long. You see, my career is, like, 12 issues was my max. Usually after 12 issues, I was usually ready to roll out. Mm-hmm. Um, and was that on purpose? Uh, a little bit, yeah, because I would find that I would just feel kind of bored and, and eager to do something new, where... Uh, Deadpool felt new with each arc because it was just some kind of crazy bonkers thing. He lends himself to doing everything. So it was never just like, you know, one type of book. Say, you know, if you're drawing, I don't know, Daredevil, let's say. You know, that's always kind of a prime book. Um, you can do other stuff with the character, obviously. But, you know, with Deadpool, you really can't throw him in space, throw him in the past, throw him in a jungle, throw him in a big and everything um, makes sense with it. So I ended up staying the five and a half years. Uh, I told myself I didn't want to sign an exclusive because I didn't want it to be tied down to one company. I ended up doing that because I wasn't planning on going anywhere. Like Everything was so perfect that I was always afraid of messing with it. And, um, you know, it's like any successful team, like people would try to pick off members of the team, right? Like, you know, Jerry was getting offered stuff. I was getting offered stuff. Uh, I even kind of bounced for a little bit and did some Superman. Um, but I just really wanted to stick with this thing and see where it went. 
Now, I, I've was also, also I was also I was also interested in uh, you doing the the European comic and how that compared. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, compares to working uh, on American uh, books. I, I've heard you know that they. In general, the editors want more backgrounds. They want more detail. They don't want as much, uh, you know, just like big open spaces. That, that's what I was talking to somebody. They said that they they wanted more, you know, they wanted, at least the French publishers wanted it to look more like a traditional French. They have a, a I guess, a, a sort no, of a style. You're absolutely right. I mean, it was, um, I... I, I I had uh, I had signed up for that of the three volume series. Um, what's the name of the series? Old, what's what's the name of the series? Homme uh, um, um, It means like uh, like people in a row, but it's uh, it's it's an adaptation of an old like fifties sci fi novel by this guy named Stefan Bull, and it was made into an animated film. I think it's called Fantastic Planet or something. Okay, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. I think I've even seen it yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's like super trippy and it's not. Uh, it doesn't follow the novel at all. Um, but um, but yeah, you're right. I, I ended up. I was doing Conan for a year with Roy Thomas and just felt like I needed a break from monthly comics. And so you know, I talked. I have some friends in France and. I hear, like, oh, well, we, they might do one volume a year. And I thought, well, that's for me. Like, if they can make a living <laughs> and do one volume a year, I, I need a break, I could use that. And and was really thinking, like, you know, if this works out, maybe I don't even go back to American comics. Mm-hmm. It, it was a little more grueling than that because they were thinking the same thing I was thinking, right? So they, I was thinking, I'm going to go to France and just try to make a beautiful book and not worry about the, the, the schedule. And they were thinking, we're going to hire this American dude who's going to move way faster <laughs> than, than you know, than, uh, uh, we're accustomed to and maybe we'll do more books. Right. Um, so we, we had to kind of work <laughs> a little bit, but um, it, was an, it was an amazing experience. I, I, just creatively... It was great to like slow down and just needle the work. And you're right. I mean, they expect a level of density that we're not necessarily accustomed to here. Um, each page, you know, it, on average, a comic, an American comic uh, for Marvel, I might be drawing a page that's four to six panels. Um, and for my French book, you know, the average is probably like ten to twelve panels per page. Were you working each page? Was I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Were you working like twice up or anything like that? At first, yeah. I mean, the first one, uh, I was working essentially each page was like a double page spread. Mm-hmm. So then, which was not wise because all of a sudden I was taking way more time on it and it was taking me longer than it should have. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it was just really really satisfying to do and i went out for a festival there and everybody treats you amazing um it's a little different than like here i mean like i would go there and have like a green room where if you're first of all when when now i don't know if this is a normal experience but at american cons it always seemed to me like you go to set up your table and sell your stuff and maybe you do a panel uh when i was in france you know, they flew, the publisher flew me out and paid for everything. 
and I worked at their table, and then when I wasn't, you know, and it wasn't all day, but you'd have a handler, and they'd, like, shuffle you from one place to the next, sure. and then um, they'd take you to the green room, and then you'd do interviews, you know, like, uh, like you, you, you imagine, um, you know, you see people promoting movies, and they're going from one little goofy interview to the next, that's kind of what I was doing there, promoting the book, I mean... And then even after a show, I went to the studio in Paris and, like, did another, uh, I think it was two interviews, including, like, well, two for, like, a radio station. I, I got the feeling it was, like, uh, their version of NPR and then yeah. some kind of a TV interview thing. Um, so you're working the whole time, and it's kind of a different different vibe to how the book is promoted. Um Unfortunately, I was like, shortly after that, I took Deadpool, and then all of a sudden, I found myself doing Deadpool and functioning at the same time. So the second book, the schedule got jammed up, and I had to go a lot faster than I would have liked. Um, but the third one sort of found an equilibrium, and, and I think in, in the end, the book, I'm really proud of it. I'd like, I would love actually to get uh, an American edition of it out, but. I don't really know what the publisher is doing 100%. You know, I know that uh, the writer, um, uh, J.B. Morvan, is, like, doing some of his stuff over here. Being tra- it's being translated, but I don't know if there's any, any plans to get this book out here. Would you do? Would you do like to do another uh, European graphic novel again? Would you do that same? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I, if I could... Uh, it, the trick for me is like, like I also came to realize like um, you know these guys that maybe do one or two a year uh, you know you start to live pretty humble and the cost of living although I'm not 100% sure like in a place like Paris um, my, my wife's from Greece and I know the cost of living in Athens is like even though know, it's a major city is way below even where I live here in central PA so you can just get by with less, um, less money. You know what I mean? Like where I, I would have to figure out how I could still do work I was happy with, make their their, their fan base happy with the amount of, of detail uh, that is demanded. Because they really think of these things as permanent. You know, like I know we collect comics and we put you bag, poly bag them and hope to keep them in good shape. Um, but with these folks, they really are like collecting things and keeping them on a bookshelf, and all their comics are hardcover. It's just a more a permanent feel for the book, and and they they have higher expectations for the level of draftsmanship in them. And yeah. storytelling, to be frank. I mean, yeah. yeah, it was interesting. Our hero in that book, um, you know, I had just come off of Conan where. He solves everything with his fist or a sword. And then um, this book, the hero was the hero basically because he could read on his alien planet. He could read the alien language. And that's so uniquely French, right? Like, the guy's superpower is that he's smarter than everybody (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So So did now do you find that there was any... uh, well, I should back up. Did you meet any cool French cartoonists that you were an admirer of when you were there? Uh, I did. I mean, I, well, probably the coolest one was I got to hang out a good deal because he uh, was getting the the, the the entire line of Stephen Von books off the ground. 
um, but also just he was one of my hosts was uh, Olivier Batin. Um, that was pretty cool. I mean, that guy he, he's 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 like a Zen master. Like just li- watching him draw, uh, listening to him talking about drawing. You know, the guy just has. You know, you, you, you meet some of these guys every so often and you're a little disappointed by them. This guy was like the, the total opposite. Like, he was always cool as ice, but somehow still very warm uh, to you personally. I don't know. He was he was pretty amazing. So I, I think maybe him, I would have liked to meet Claire Wendling, but I, I she was ill at the time and, and I didn't get to meet her, but... He was probably the top one for me that year. Was he like, but you draw Deadpool? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I, 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 I mean, I took that book. I remember, um, I don't know if I had told them. I think, if anything, they're probably a little worried that, like, yeah. oh, shit. Or, like, why are you taking on other stuff? Right, right, right. Um, so do you, um, I know you, you keep super busy and, uh, I, I've been marveling at how you have been juggling and we kind of talked about social media already, how you've been juggling doing kind of like short videos of your process and being pretty active on like, uh, Instagram and Facebook and things like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you have, and this is maybe a question for some of the uh, fans who may want to be a comic book artist. How do you, how do you structure your working day? If not, I may ask. No, no, that's okay. Um, it depends on the time of year. So during the school year, um, I'm up every day around 6.30. We get the kids out, out the door for school and I'm usually out in the studio by eight o'clock or so, eight thirty the latest. And um, generally, the first thing I'll, I'll get to is I, I keep a little journal, um, and I use this. Um, you can actually Google it. It's called bullet journaling, and I use that for scheduling everything in my day. So I will um, generally write that up and I keep it by the bed and I write up what my list is for the next day in there. And then um, that morning I'll just jump onto whatever it is that's on my list. And most of the time it's straight to some sort of drawing. Um, as far as the social media stuff and everything, like um, I, I realized pretty quickly like not going to conventions um, <laughs> Was <laughs> I mean, because I, I, I think that that is a big part of the comics community. So when you don't go to conventions, uh, I never saw it this way, but I think to some folks, it's like openly choosing to not be part of the community. Right. You know, people would, uh, you know, call me a hermit and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, hermits don't go out. Like, I'm out and, and I have people around me all the time. And I realize it's just for them. I was, it's almost like I'm refusing to hang out with them. Right. So it's, it's a slap. And, and that's yeah. And I never, never, never want to have anybody feel that way. So I realized, like, you know, probably the best thing I could do is just share as much of my work as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and it's the thing that most people want. Like when when the thing that seems like people like the most when they go out to a convention and go to meet artists is like to watch them draw. So I just figured, well then, if that's what folks want, maybe I'll just start sharing that, and that's sort of where it grew. Um, and then people started asking, like, yo, you know, can you like, can you can you cover this kind of material as if the posts were meant to be educational, mm-hmm. um, and which wasn't my intention. But then I realized, oh my god, like people are, are using this stuff to better their own work. So like, I would drill deeper and share more, and like um, that's sort of taking the place of, of hitting up all these cons was you know sharing the process as much as possible. And like, what's well, the constant I convention I, I, then? I, I, it's it's the constant convention because yeah, it's always yeah, there. Yeah. Then like. You don't have to be in Chicago to see it. You can be anywhere. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where, you know, the YouTube channel, channel grew out of that. The stuff that I post on Instagram and Twitter. Um, it really is meant to be just have an open door to the studio kind of thing. And I find that, um, that especially like on Instagram, it's almost like more people are following me for that than for the, the, the Marvel work. Like, you know, the, the, the process stuff that I've been posting. So, yeah, I, you um, know, I, I think I wanted to ask you about that because I think, I mean, I agree with you. I've been using Twitter more um, <clears throat> lately sort of as an experiment, and I'm sort of experimenting a little bit with wh- how, where, where I post and how I post uh, just to see right, what right. kind of, because there's different audiences. Like the Facebook audience in general tends to be, to me, the oldest audience because you get, yeah. yeah, older people who have money who will buy things. Then you have the Instagram <laughs> audience, which skews younger. And I have I've set it up so right. I can track my numbers and everything. Um, yeah, the younger people don't buy anything that they can possibly not buy, but they want to consume <laughs> things. They want to consume things and expect consumption and want to see the. So I'm sure you're probably getting people saying, as soon as you post you drawing a Hulk. Man, I'd love to see you drawing the Hulk again. I'd love to see you tomorrow. I hope you're drawing <laughs> the Black Widow. Tomorrow, I, I hope you're drawing the thing. I don't get too much of that. I will occasionally get, like, some guy the other day asked me. I posted, like, some panel from Spider-Man. And he's like, I would love to see you draw Michael Jackson. Which I was like, that's <laughs> unusual. <laughs> like, Wait, what? I, I, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there's an element of that, like, um, you're drawing for their entertainment and they're like, you know, oh, draw, draw this next. Um, I don't know. I find, at least with the folks that are following me on Instagram, um, I, I'm finding they're a lot more supportive than you would think. Like, um, I put a lot of stuff on Gun Road now, just like, I don't know, just to, not, not necessarily to make a bunch of dough from because it still is all uh, name your own price. Mm-hmm. And I'll put you know sketch collections or whatever on there, and I'm surprised you know if I mention it on Instagram, you know these kids will pick it up if they can. And I think I can remember you know being a poor kid in the beginning and wanting two things. One was to see how this stuff was made, but nobody would tell you. And number two was access to more of just the art in general. And so those are the two things I try to offer. And, and so I'm constantly showing process posts. 
and I'm constantly putting sketch collections on, on Gumroad. And even if it's just a buck, you'd be surprised how many of them will, will throw that in the can just to like show their appreciation. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's great. I find that's the, great. I find the opposite with Facebook, which is ironic. Because like, I don't know that, like if I post something on Facebook, that it alters my numbers very much, you know, if I look at, say, the gum road stuff. Uh, for me, Facebook tends to be a lot of folks that like um, are more, I don't know why, but they're like looking for something from me, right? Like they'll, they'll friend me on Facebook and then immediately like do the whole Pope wave thing and asking me what I like attribute to their, um, their, their, their jam books or will I do a cover for them or um, will I help them like, Here's my portfolio. Could you show it to someone? And I'm like, Can you help me I fix this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I can, I can feel for them because I can remember being frustrated, feeling like I don't know anybody. How does one break in? But at the same time, it's like you're not really like there is. I mean, you just want me to provide a service to you for your career. And like, even if it worked like that, I don't know that that's like the most polite way to go about it, but it doesn't work like that. Like, right. I'm not gonna, I never heard of you, and you want me to show my stuff, or your stuff to my editors at Marvel. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm gonna vouch for you, even though I don't know you, you literally just friended me five minutes ago. Or, uh, this Whoa, where? We blipped out what for a second. I bl I guess I blipped out. They. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I remember being in a space where I had would have these awkward conversations just with people who come up and go, "Yo, can you, you know, draw the people that I wrote in?" I still get that. Yeah, I still get that. I, mean, I literally, I rarely take commission. Yeah. I just got one of those requests uh, last month where, like, guy says, will you do a commission? I had, like, opened up. I had a couple of slots. Yeah. And, uh, you know, very quickly realized he didn't want a commission. He wanted a pinup he was going to put into his comic so he could say, oh, you know, I got a pinup from Mike Hawthorne with an original character that he called. Probably wouldn't even say I called his mind, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and, and it's very hard for these folks to understand, like, that's not a commission. That's a whole, that's a whole can of worms that, frankly, you don't necessarily want to open with me, right? Like, cause if I, if I design your character on the fly, I now quote, I now quote own your character. Like, you really want that? Like, right. you know, they, they haven't really thought it through too much. Um, which is unfortunate because you always feel bad, like, you're, you're dashing people's dreams. And I don't want to do that because I can. It doesn't feel that long ago when I was desperate to try to get something going. But with that said, like I, I also feel like I didn't just go in blindly and say, you know, to, to someone like, you know, hey, I, I got fifty dollars. Can you draw my cover? And here's the character I want you to create to put on the cover. <laughs> like, you know. Well, you know, I, again, I think it has a lot to us coming from a different culture or generation of finding your way through the door you know it was kind of like you know now like i said everything's so accessible it's almost like well even your asks 
should be accessible. You know, I'm just gonna dial. Yeah. I'm gonna dial up Frank Miller and see if he'll do his cover for me. Because they're just yeah. killing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for real. And I won't even say it's generational, although I will say it's cultural. But yeah. you know, this this guy that reached out to me recently on Facebook to, to do this gig was like our age. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's not necessarily an age thing. You're right. It's more. It's a cultural thing where uh, I guess because everybody's accessible, you just assume um, they'll do what you want them to do. You know. Yeah, I think. I think it's. I agree. I think it's. I think it's an ex. It's being accessible. Because when I was 20, there was very limited access. And now to anybody who's 20, right, right. there's almost unlimited access. <laughs> and especially to artists, right? Yeah, especially yeah, for yeah, artists. Absolutely. You can talk to just, I mean, if you're a 20-year-old today and you want to be any kind of creative, visual artist, a sculptor, whatever, a filmmaker... There's a million people out there that have blogs, I have social media. If you're a, a respectful yeah. person, not some, you know, some mm. some rude, you know, uh, fanboy or fangirl, uh, you can right, have right. amazing conversations with people today and get a lot, because most artists want to share. I mean, that's the thing about yeah, most, yeah, most yeah. artists. They do want to share. They remember being in that spot. Uh, they want to. They want to help. There's some people though that will immediately take that and sort of abuse that. Or I think again, uh, I see this a little bit too as a teacher teaching the teenagers. Uh, there isn't that. I don't know if it was fear, or are you there? I, I, I don't think it's it's that fear or respect. Yeah, yeah. That you used to have, like when you would meet a, when I remember, you know, when I would first meet somebody I admired, you would be kind of a little bit afraid, you know, and you talk to the person. And now people are like, they're not usually as intimidated, I think, just because mm -hmm. of yeah. uh, the, 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 that yeah, social, it's, it's sort of broken down a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, it's also different with young guys versus young girls and I find that young girls, young women tend to be a little bit more mature and respectful. <laughs> I I yeah, yeah, yeah. and I just found that out that just is something I've noticed as a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you I mean I, I don't um it's it's a it's tricky, tricky thing. thing. I, you know, because I'm not Yeah, I mean maybe maybe there's a certain amount of entitlement for the boys. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm also very leery of separating age because of all the experience I have with the, with the, the kids at the college and how like, genuinely awesome and respectful most of them are. Um, I, I wonder, you know, if it is generational, there's a part of me that wonders if it's not like a slightly older... I mean, there's young kids that just don't get how the world works and ask you for something crazy. But whenever it's something like... Uh, almost like uh, uh, beyond just a little rude and like I expect you to serve me. It's always just like the older guy. And, 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 and I don't know, maybe that's just my personal experience, but um, the younger dude almost like, I mean, it, it's, it can be sometimes a little, uh, 
I don't know, uncomfortable because like, like they're almost so polite, polite like they want to call you Mister and like <laughs> um, you, you know what I mean? Like, like I don't I don't even know how to respond to some of this stuff. That's like, Sir Mister yeah. to you, young man. Yeah, <laughs> Sir Mister Sir. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Hawthorne was my father who abandoned me when I was a baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know what to do with that information, Mr. Hawthorne. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you know, I know you've been, we've been talking for a while, and I don't want to keep you from the board too much longer. But um, let's, I guess we should start wrapping up. But, Mike, tell us a little bit uh, about your Kickstarter and how people can get uh, get on the bus before it ends and maybe some of the reward tiers and just, you know, hype it up a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, depending when this, what, when does this podcast come out? I would say within two, I hope within two weeks. <laughs> maybe over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically I just have to edit, I have to edit it. Yeah. Um, so but I would say, yeah, yeah. you know, within... <laughs> So on the off chance that it's still on, yeah, because mm-hmm. I think we have a, a little more than two weeks left. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I feel a little funny because the book was, it actually got funded in the first 20 hours. Yeah, that's you amazing. Know, Congratulations. I know. I was, I was in shock. I, I forgot. Like, this is a thing that hit me from left field. I, I really, you know, I never intended to be an educator. So this is all sort of strange to me. But, um the idea is that, you know, uh, this isn't an anatomy book. It's literally the collection of uh, anatomy handouts that I made for my class. So it's more of a reference guide. And people can pick that up just going to Kickstarter and, and searching my name. Or um, I have links on all my various social media. Um, I'm also, you know, offering with the various tiers. Um, you know, we're doing a proportions, like a figure proportions mini poster. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to make, I'm going to offer some of my sketchbooks, like my actual sketchbooks, like sketchbooks you draw in. Uh, a few years back, I, I was lucky enough to get to develop my own uh, sketchbooks. Mm-hmm. So Jordan had to do I have a sketchbook, and you can get them with the, uh, the anatomy book on certain tiers. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to make a pencil. A draw is by pencil, which is going to parlay hopefully into. Um, I'm going to launch a website called drawslife.com. I just haven't. I'm not quite ready for that. <laughs> What's that? Oh, sorry, that was my that was my clock. Oh my! Your clock speaks Japanese. Yeah, my clock. My, my clock says an hour in Japanese. Sorry. That's amazing. Damn. <laughs> yeah, that's the body of the Kickstarter thing. Um, otherwise, you know, Superior Spider-Man and then this upcoming um, graphic novel, which I wish the hell I could say more about it. I don't know if they're going to announce it at, at San Diego or not, which is going over some um, cover uh, graphic kind of mock-ups, uh, and, and just look for that. That's That's... That's about it for now. I'm hoping to, uh, yeah, I, you know, I've been on a teaching. But, yeah, that's basically the three things going on right now. All right, cool. We'll say no. And teaching. And teaching. And teaching, yeah. Sorry, yeah, I'm teaching at Pennsylvania College of Art and Design. 
Um, in the fall, I'm, I'm teaching, I believe it's Anatomy 1 again. And uh, that's always super fun. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Oh, that's cool, man. Well, you know what? Um, it's, it's always amazing uh, spending some time with you and catching up. And, um, you know, I've been fortunate to have so many, like, amazing talents uh, in my circle for so long. So, and, you know, uh, all, these, all, the, all the bikes that I know. Uh, and continue success, my friend. Thank you, man. Thank you. Same to you, man. Keep killing it. <laughs> Looking forward to more Leon. Oh, yeah. Well, working on that. Fingers crossed. Uh, Manly, you got anything else to uh, add? No, I'm just I was really glad to, to actually catch up with uh, Mike. We'll also have a nice interview in the next issue of Draw uh, with Mike showing yeah. uh, a lot of his, uh, his, uh, his uh, process. Uh, and talk and showing all some of the anatomy uh, drawings and lectures that uh, he's put together. So that that should be going out to press. I imagine within the next uh, week to ten days. San Diego's in there, so I'm, I'm actually going to San Diego for the first time in 14 years because uh, it's the uh, 25th anniversary of. Oh, really? Yeah, 25th anniversary. I haven't been to San Diego, uh, and I had not planned to go, but uh, since it was the the 25th anniversary, and uh, I was would be a good opportunity to go get out there. Yeah, man, hell yeah. Well, have fun for me. Uh, I, yeah, and I will. <laughs> Mike's breaking it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Mike, you're breaking up a good bit. I, I'm not catching everything. I just said I'll, 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 uh, I'll try to enjoy it. I'll, uh, I'll uh, enjoy this, the suntanned homeless people for you. Oh, the next novelties. So, hey, but my, hey, Mike, while you're out there, pick me up some Funko Pops, why don't you? <laughs> Yo. <laughs> you know what's funny? Hey, can I tell a quick Funko Pop story? Sure. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a big head, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so this guy that I went to high school with, Amos Maldonado, um, who was like probably one of my, he was a year older than me, and I never had any art classes with him, or maybe he was more than a year older than me, actually, now that I think of it, because um, I don't think I ever had an art class with him, but he was like the first, um, I don't know, maybe kind of art hero I had, like he was, he was always amazing. And he was another Puerto Rican dude, so I was, like, always, uh, uh, like, interested in his work. And he's went on to become um, a major player there at Funko Pop. I think he's been with them since damn near the beginning. Wow. And, uh, and, and it's weird because I hadn't spoken to him for years. And our world collided for a minute by um, some characters I designed for the Deadpool series that made into a set of Funko Pop. There are those, you know, the bobblehead things, right? And... He sent me a box. It was like such a weird, small world thing, you know. Wow! <laughs> I've seen the guys. Yeah, it was so weird. That's crazy, man. Now, will you get a royalty from that? Because one of the things I found interesting was that um, yeah, that that you supposedly you don't get a royalty a figure that does not have. And I never got it. I don't believe. 
You guys there? Yeah, yeah. You're cutting out a good bit, though, man. Huh. Well, yeah, I can see. Skype is being funky now. Oh, you sound good now. Okay. I was going to say. I was going to say that the um, uh, thing I found out was that if you create, if they make a figure of a character that does not have five points of articulation, you supposedly don't get a check for that. What? yeah, it's something like that. I think, the, and I think there's uh, limitations to like the height of the toy, right? Um, and things like that. Yeah. So there are some limitations. Before I, you I just found that was very interesting. It's like, no, it's a toy. You get, you know, you get, you get the money. Yeah. No, it's like, no, it's it's <laughs> two inches and it has two joints. Sorry. <laughs> if it's three joints, you'd be straight right now. Right. No, yeah, I'm sure I mean, I Disney, like Disney will now send a drone to kill me. That's right. <laughs> oh, dude. You said too much. <laughs> well, Mike, thanks so much for, for stepping on pencil to pencil. Um, right on. Uh, love that. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, anytime, man. And um, hopefully we'll um, do that follow-up in the, the newest issue of Drone Magazine. I'm really excited to see it. And uh, we'll see. We'll see you around the bend. <laughs> yeah, man. Right on. Thanks, guys. Okay, All right, thanks, man. Great. Have a good, have a good, have a good night, guys. All right. Okay. Bye. Okay. Right on. Well, that's it for this uh, podcast. I'd like to thank Mike again. And uh, you got anything coming up, Jamar? Anything you'd like to plug before we shut her down? Oh, Mike Manley, I, I am, I am, uh, I have an embarrassment of riches of comic book conventions that I'll be going to in the next month and a half. Um, I, I, I've been doing, well, I can find one thing which is interesting. I've been doing these, uh, coffee breaks on Facebook, on Facebook Live, and I may do them on Instagram. Uh, soon, which is just kind of like a 30-minute live stream of me drinking a cup of coffee and just kind of shooting the breeze with whoever's in the room. Um, but one thing... In a silk robe? Oh, yeah. I think uh, we need to do a Patreon to get me a silk Ric Flair robe. Um, one of the things that I talked about in the last coffee break, which I totally murdered, was some of the shows that I'm coming up with. Soon, I'm pretty clear this month, but then August, September, October is pretty booked. Uh, but I am going to be at, uh, I'm a guest at the Keystone Comic Con here in Philly coming up in August. Um, I'll also be at Terrificon at the Mohegan Sun Convention Center in Connecticut. That's you and everybody else, it seems like everybody's going to um, that. seems like everybody's going to be there. All right, so that it seems like it, it seems like everybody is going to be there. Uh, what's that, Mohegan? Yeah, at a Mohegan. Oh, I hear it's an amazing show. You know, just the, the, the compound itself is supposed to be this amazing thing. I went to Las Vegas once and had a great time, but like everything, everything at those, and I guess New Vegas is grand, right? Like the Bellagio is the spectacle. There's like a casino, then the hotels inside the casino, and then there's a mall inside the casino, inside the hotel. It's crazy. 
So I just kind of assume that Mohegan's like that. So like a like a chicken inside of a pig inside of a cow. Like a turducken. A turducken of a convention. Turducken cow. And then yeah, I have some other things lined up. It hasn't cleared. Yet, yeah, but by the time, time this comes out, out uh, I'm going to be a guest at the New York Comic Con this year. Um, also, also, I just got booked. booked I will be at Diversity Con in New York, which will be later in October. Um, what is Diversity Con? It's interesting. It's a, like a very small con. I think it's focusing on focusing on diverse books and diverse kid lit and. There's a lot of really interesting authors, and there's some editors from some of the uh, New York book publishers that are going to be there, and there's panels and an uh, exhibition hall, and it's going to be held at FIT in New York, the Fashion Institute. Oh, okay, yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. That's that's pretty that's new and exciting. Uh, and uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be a couple other things up the, up the pipe. Baltimore Comic Con's on its way. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, my, my dance card's getting full. And, uh, you know, I'm just tightening the screws on my Leon stuff. And, you know, we're going from there. How about you, Mike? Uh, pretty straightforward, as usual, doing the two strips. And I'll be doing Baltimore. I'll be in San Diego. I won't have a booth. Uh, so I'll, I'll be doing the panel for the 25th anniversary of Tomorrow's, which will probably have occurred already by the time people hear this. Then I'll be doing Baltimore, and I'm doing the... I have a table at the Eluxcon coming up in October, and that's probably it. My schedule's still pretty tight between doing the the strips and, and teaching and everything. So I have, have some uh, other projects that I will probably announce, I hope, by the end of the year, uh, maybe uh, one or two Kickstarters. Um... I had been doing my uh, my uh, web comic, but I sort of had to give that up for right now. But maybe that's something I might uh, finish up and uh, address in 2020. Oh wow! Well, I look forward to that. And you know, maybe we should propose a panel, like a live pencil to pencil, at Baltimore Comic Con, or we can interview somebody on on the stage. That'd be cool. That would be fun. I I don't I have to figure out how we would do that. Whether you know that might involve some sort of uh, technical hurdles, which might get us electrocuted or something. <laughs> I don't know. We'd have to do it a, a live via FaceTime or something. I don't know. Oh well, well, yeah, yeah. We'll figure it out. We can put a we can just put a, a iPad on on the screen or something like that. There you go. There you go. We'll figure it out. It's 2019. We live in the future. Everything is possible. Everything has fins on it, right? <laughs> so it gills. So cool. All right. Oh, you know what? Also, maybe I I can just do that pitch here, which we talked about and we haven't talked about it any sooner. Um, if uh, Mike edits this in a in a way that we can use this, uh, we have a first sponsor. Oh, that's right! I forgot all about that. Yeah, um, uh, my good friends over at Clip Studio Paint uh, Graphicsly uh, have been uh, cur courteous and nice enough 
to uh, sponsor our lovely little podcast here. So what that's going to mean for you, the listeners, later on is that we're going to be running some contests, uh, probably on our Facebook page or on our webpage, where you can win free full licenses of Clip Studio Paint software. So, um, you know, we'll have some details forthcoming, but uh, thank you so much to Clip Studio Paint. Uh, it's the like premier software package now for comic book artists, right? Everybody's using. I use it every week. I use it every week. Um, I think it's Judge changing the, the paradigm, right? Yeah, yeah. I use it every week to draw Judge Parker. I, 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 uh, I am a big fan. I think it, and and I think they've improved it quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I have been using it back since like the manga studio days. And on one of my old rickety computers, I still use Manga Studio EX4, and it does what it's supposed to do. But Clip Studio Paint's the future, man. And they didn't pay me to say that. I believe it. I, I stay up a high by at work. So, but yeah, thanks to them, and uh, thanks to you, the listener, for sticking around with us uh, tonight. Uh, and uh, I guess that's it. We'll see you for the next one. Okay. All right. See you later. Ha, <laughs>